Dad stealing the show once again. This week's episode of Me, My Dad, and The Bachelor. I'm Matilda Bosley. And I'm Ray Bosley. And we're getting by. Yes, that's that's right. It was an interesting episode. First of a new kind of phase of this season because they're now uh, all in isolation, all doing virtual kind of contact between each other. Uh, Zoom dates, Zoom cocktail parties, Zoom group dates. It's nice to have sort of representation on screen as Melbourneians. (laughs) Something in real life we can relate to at last. Like it upsets me that it was three months ago and we're still (laughs) relating to it. But um, Yeah, it's not a sort of historical curiosity. It's ongoing status quo. Imagine being someone in the Northern Territory is watching that right now and being like, how quaint. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, oh, no, after we finish this, we've got... Mum left watching this episode to have a Zoom call with our next-door neighbours. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. Before we get, like, too far into these episodes, um, I want to annoy everyone by asking them to please share this podcast. And if um, and, and, and any sort of reviews, an honest review that, that you can take the trouble to leave would be much appreciated. No, not honest. Five stars only. Hopefully that's honest. I was, I was taking the sort of humility, you know, I was, I was going anti-hubris. Dad, the algorithm does not allow for oh, anti-hubris. Okay. Right. We want five stars, rave reviews only. But also, um, if you're listening to it and if you can take a screenshot and put it on your Instagram story, that's uh, the best way that you, thing that you can do to support this small and beleaguered podcast. Or short of carving our likenesses into Mount Rushmore. That would be the ultimate, I'd say. I just, I'm not sure people would want to do the two weeks isolation when they when they fly home. They just have to take it for the team. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, one of those three options, uh, we I think it's clear which one we'll, we prefer. Mm. So, Dad, this whole season... <laughs> I was waiting for the moment where I lost you. And that, <laughs> and that moment was going to be going to Zoom. And lo and behold, we changed to Zoom and you start enjoying the season more. Well, I think it's just because, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's something to do with them not being together, not trying to sort of constantly be on and, and, and outdo each other, not trying to sort of manufacture moments out of nothing not trying to sort of say more than is is kind of justified from any any kind of exchange i, I just find them a lot easier to take when they're alone like not with each other mm. um and it just sort of seemed a bit more kind of genuine you know um like you know they had the first sort of big zoom you know 12 or whatever it was 13 of them on on screen at once including osha and um, your comment at the time was, geez, you'd think they'd edit out all the awkward pauses, but I think it kind of made it work for me that it just really? felt a bit more sort of like actual people now, you know. Yeah. Before we get into your favourite episode, <laughs> let's get into my favourite episode, mm. which was episode, I want to say, seven of the season and the moment where the girls find out about the coronavirus. Let's dive into your in-situ reactions. I'm sure I could have cringed more and harder, but I don't know quite how. The embarrassment factor was 
higher than ever before. Just everything that everyone was doing was so embarrassing. Uh, particularly Lockie. Tricking someone into thinking their grandpa had died. Um, yeah, yeah. If it hadn't been a psychic, I would have taken it a bit more seriously. But it was a tale of two cities, really. It was terrible, 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 dramatic. I genuinely think this may have been one of the best episodes of The Bachelor ever. Right, right. Well, fair enough. Um, yep. Who am I to, to dispute that? Okay, so we start where we left off, which is Osha coming in, his voice more somber than usual, which mm-hmm. is difficult, and he announces that the World Health Organization's declared a pandemic. And half the car say, the, the world what? <laughs> yeah, who? Yes. You missed the joke. Uh, yeah, I buried the lead. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but then he says that we'll declare a pandemic, but then sort of says shoppy, shops are shutting down and everything's blah, blah, blah. And then, like, sort of describes the pandemic a week further on. So they have just been lying to these women, right? Yeah. When they announced the pandemic, that was like the weekend the Grand Prix was getting cancelled. Like, things weren't crazy yet. Oh, okay, right. Mm. Anyway, so I want to know about the ethics of hiding a life-changing event from these women. Well, that's, um, you know, another ethical moment, sort of Mm. difficult ethics question comes up in a second when we get to, like, uh, the next event. But maybe I'm jumping ahead. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The wildest storyline ever. So, yes, basically they all learn about the coronavirus. It's a bit dramatic. Then all of a sudden it's going to be another week in the mansion, which I'd be feeling a bit uncomfortable about if that was me um but we've brought in a psychic yeah why i don't know the psychic arrives a woman who's you know told the fortune of a-list celebrities in hollywood and everything like that so you know she knows she's good um she's helped solve many cold cases that's right yep yep I don't, they didn't provide receipts for that. That's what I want, the whole show of her solving crimes psychically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it, maybe it was just a sort of maybe that's coming up soon on, on Channel 10 and um, they were just subtly kind of uh, stealth uh, promoting it, cross-promoting. So what you don't know is a very quite regularly they bring in this guy called the human lie detector oh, okay. that basically serves the exact same role. He's meant to be this sort of mentalist body language kind of expert. Mm. Um, but what I find very funny about him, he plays the exact same role of the psychic in terms of a person who's claiming to sort of have these skills and he's solved 300 murders or something like that. Right. Um, but then clearly he'd just have been heavily briefed by the producers <laughs> <laughs> before they go in. Um, some of the things the psychic predicted felt like they were taken directly off Instagram. Like Maddie, they were talking about her grandma and doing puzzles and then a, a, a <laughs> ginger cat. And she's like, oh, we did a puzzle with a ginger cat. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if we scroll through, <laughs> if we're just going to see from... Here's two- the latest thousand piece jigsaw puzzle we've finished together. 2016, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, I think it's quite sensible. But um, she does make one faux pas. One major oh. faux pas, which I thought was quite funny because right before this, we've learned that Bella's grandparents are quite unwell. And then I said, oh, God, how awful would it be if suddenly the psychic feels the ghost of her, one of her grandparents and that's how she learned that they died as like a cruel, mean, 
terrible outlandish joke. You weren't being your very best self when you made that joke. I I was I succumbed to a worse part of myself and it seems that the producers had the exact same instinct. So what did she start predicting? So she started saying, "Oh, um talking to Bella and saying, "Oh, I've got a relative of yours here and is there a re- was there, is there something was there something to do with cancer?" Yeah, oh, is there someone that died of cancer or And then Bella goes, "Oh, quiet yeah and then she goes my grandpa has cancer (laughs) (laughs) and there was like 1.5 seconds of awkward silence then they moved on to someone else yeah just you (laughs) awful or the worst moment on tv and then so she starts having a panic attack because she thinks that this psychic has felt her grandfather's death and then her parents have been too nice to tell her that her grandpa's died which is wild a wild assumption to make to begin with so she has to go call her mum on speakerphone (laughs) directly after that you know what i don't love Mm -hmm. using one person's genuine trauma very real life worries about the death of a family member that they would regret that they mm. were in this mansion for the rest of their life, life-changing moment, as a ad break teaser. <laughs> yeah, and milking it too because they had her connect to the mum and say, mum, you know, mm. and then, like, I don't know if she asked the question or not, but they cut to the ad before she got an answer. Yeah, like, they cut off pretty quickly. They went to ad break. They came back and then gave us another two minutes of vamping, <laughs> including all the girls rushing over to the window to be like, oh, is something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Just not TV wrong, proper wrong. Mm. Like, this is a bad situation. Anyway, finally we get let off the hook that her grandfather is fine. Yeah. Or, well, he's, you know, still sick, but no, nothing, no t- dramatic developments. Everything's, you know, as as going, ship's still holding a steady course with the grandfather. So. Yeah. I have a Lockie nit- nitpick here. Mm-hmm. And I will be picking on him for very small things. I didn't like how she said, yeah, everyone's okay. And then he immediately went, so are you leaving? Oh, yes, that's like right. That's he, right. <laughs> this is so unfair. But it fundamentally makes me believe he's a terrible person who only cares about himself. Well, yes, I mean, you could sort of read that as a, do you have to go? Do you, you know, yeah. are you upset? Look, if I, was being, if I was being charitable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you could... Um, there is an angle you could look at that that he doesn't look so bad, but why Why should we bother looking at that I, angle? He, he has given me no reason to believe that of him. But, yeah, just that sort of, like, immediate, like, give me an answer, tell me what's going on with us. And it's like, I don't think she really cares about you, <laughs> right? It's very sick. It's been 30 seconds since she learnt that her grandpa was alive. Mm. Like, my first question would be, like, do you need to call your grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I didn't like him, but you know what I liked less? Then us totally pretending that didn't happen and going back to the psychic. Yeah, yeah, the the now completely discredited psychic. (laughs) He goes back for relationship advice. (laughs) She doesn't even have a firm grasp on life and death. I'm not sure how she's going to get the nuances of your ten girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Um, So were there any other big things in this? It sort of wrapped up then. No, no, no. There was the the moment of the psychic just fucking hating Roxy. Oh. They sat together and then she was like, this woman's hard work. Oh, right. 
that's right. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, I know. Oh, and that's right. And then she, the last person or the second last person was, was like Belle. Uh, yeah. Was it Belle? Yeah, I think it was Belle. Yes. And then the psychic, uh, and then Belle has her little sort of reading and everything like that. And off she goes. And then the psychic says to the producer with, with subtitles, He'd be better off with her, or she'd she'd be good for him, or something oh, really? like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like him steadfastly ignoring that advice, as we say. <laughs> they go off on a single date, and we see none of it, so I can just assume it was pretty dry. But he sort of had to give her the rose. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, this is kind of in the context of all of us viewers at home had barely registered Belle, or I don't know, maybe you you saw right, Belle aware was of her. on my radar from the start, mm. but only because I thought. That Caitlin was Belle when Caitlin oh, first okay. walked in. So then I looked up what Belle looked like, mm. and then I also thought Belle and Claire were the same person. So I thought I was seeing twice as much of Belle as I really was. Who's Claire? Exactly. Yeah, she's gone. She went. She, she, yes. Leslie, Zoe, Claire. Oh, that's right. Um, one thing I wanted to note, and I did tweet about this. You better believe me. Mm. Lockie sat with every single one of those girls, arms totally around them, like them yes. sort of leaning on him. S- him, like, rubbing his hand up and down their calf and everything. Yeah. Framed against what happens later in the episode, which is we're meant to, again, believe that Roxy's sort of just batshit for, I mean, she wasn't great, but, like, <laughs> that we're meant to believe that she's sort of, like, insanely possessive of Lockie. Yeah. It's sort of like, I just, I this is the third podcast in a row I've said this, but I just cannot blame these women for being as invested as they are. Yeah, it's like they're getting very clear signals. Yeah. And then, then they're being blamed for reading them properly. Yeah. That being said, everyone else seems to be coping. Yeah. But I don't know. I Look, I'm something doesn't sit right with me with Roxy's edit, and it's difficult because I also don't really like her anyway. So I'm trying to separate what I don't like, what's what's a legitimate dislike Yeah. and what's sort of what? just what the, the fact that they sent a Reba home so now we need a villain kind of thing. Yeah, but... One thing that really annoyed me in Lockie and Irina's psychic chat Mm. was that the psychic said, oh, you're two old souls, and both of them not. But last episode, we had to sit through their weird date where he spent all this time talking about how he's a man-child. Yeah, okay. How can you be an old soul and a child at heart? Right. Well, it's all about In knowing le- who you really are and being, uh, you know, being accepting of that. The only way I can imagine this is if that you were a Victorian child who died in suspic- suspicious circumstances and were haunting a house for a long time, and therefore you have the sort of wisdom of years and are therefore an old soul, but you are also a child at heart and also in your ethereal form. Hmm. Is there perhaps there's a reality TV series in that? Yeah, I feel like I've lost some of your enthusiasm for my theory <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I will bring ghosts into every episode. Um, so yes, that's basically it from the psychic. Good riddance. I hope we don't see her again. Oh, we've left her behind because we've had the date now, and now we're coming up to the cocktail party, aren't we? Oh, it feels too soon, but I feel like <laughs> it's the case. No, before the cocktail party. Uh, Lockie arrives on his very loud motorbike to oh. the bachelor, uh, to the ba- to the mansion. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who does he ask out? Roxy. He does indeed. Yep. Okay, so we arrive at the bachelor pad, and Lockie immediately starts giving Roxy a hard time for her personality again. 
Yeah, right, right. Well, that's, you know, that's just the sort of opening kind of gambit in, in any of their interactions, really. it's mm. That's just act one of whatever they're doing together. Um, and then, but next thing we know, they're on the sort of big swing out in the backyard. Yeah, a, a love couch that seems to be slightly too high off, to the, off the ground for comfort. Yeah, well, he's a tall guy. So they, they drink and he strokes her carbs and... Um, then I, I, was, I was sort of, as a kind of, you know, innocent observer, I'm sort of thinking, oh, so, you know, here she is at the bachelor pad. Is this, is she, is she going to dink her back home the next morning or, or what? Oh, well, yeah, sometimes they do have overnight dates. If they were going to do an overnight date, we'd be like seeing promos for weeks and then right. they'd like make you think that they had sex and they like never do. Right. You're only allowed to have sex in Bachelor in Paradise. That's a rule. Okay. Yeah, okay. it doesn't exist in this Hence show. the word paradise in the title. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, speaking of sex, Roxy says an iconic line that I would like you to repeat. You better remind me what it is. It was, um, bend me over. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forget how that came up, came up there. It was like, was he almost sort of saying... Oh, you now you're sort of snuggling in and stuff and well, what was he? What was the prelude to it? I don't know because I was tweeting yeah. and then I said what was funny and then you had to say to me, Roxy said, "Throw me down and bend me like a pretzel." Yeah, yeah. And that's not how I, in an ideal world, I would have found out that that was said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and then she kind of goes all coy and oh, oh well, not really coy, but then she's sort of realizes she might have been and <laughs> might not have been the the, the most uh, wise sort of thing to come out with and sort so, of said, oh have i just haven't brought myself undone saying that or another good pretzel pretzel pun if she mm. said that I, I like roxy in these moments where she kind of isn't guarded enough for the show and just says things that like a normal human would yeah while yeah someone. well look i you you sort of um sticking you're consistent with your sort of you know, minor sort of dislike of Roxy. I kind of go up and down with her, but um, when we get to the next episode, the one we've just watched, mm. I I really thought Roxy was great. And yeah. I, I, she won me over. But, uh, Turned we'll, the corner. We'll get to that. Yes. Um, I've written in capital letters in my notes here, God, heaven fucking forbid, you have to put in a tiny bit of effort to get to know a woman. Which was when <laughs> Lucky was talking about how all her walls were up, even though she's cried in front of him like four times. Mm. Anyway, I can recognise in myself that I'm not being fair to this man. <laughs> Look, I don't know. You, you might be being a bit hard on yourself there. Yeah. I will make every excuse for every woman in this house and Lockie does the slightest thing wrong and I hate him. Mm. But look, you guys had it for a few 10,000 years, so I think it's fine. So then we cut to the cocktail party. Yeah. And Roxy's looking great. She's like, it's my night, which factually... <laughs> <laughs> It might be a little entitled of an attitude because she's just, it's been her day. Yeah. It's not, yeah, strictly what a cocktail party is, but. Bella is kind of feeling a bit adrift and a loss because, you know, this, and let's be, um, like, to be clear, this was the second date that Roxy had had with. Yeah. And also, Bella's gone through a genuinely traumatic event this week yes, when a psychic true, true. tried to tell she her that the ghost of her yes. Like, let's not forget she was gaslit into thinking her grandpa died. And surely, even after that's been cleared up, she's it's got her thinking, oh, well, 
today, yeah, know, duck the bullet today, but how much longer, you know? Well, yeah, you have got not to be... great thoughts, yeah. You've got to be questioning why you're in that mansion at a certain point. Lockie sort of has, like, a tender chat with Bella, like, just reassuring her that, like... That, you know, she's... Of, of all these women that he's, you know, uh, the, that she's the one who has the most... Gen- he has the most genuine connection oh, with. Oh, he'd never said that something, before. <laughs> something... Um, just really so true that it's, you know, every time he looks at her, it takes, he doesn't say any of this, but that's the subtext. I'm sure it was cut because we've seen it a lot. (laughs) Anyway, so right at the end, she sort of tentatively, oh, do it, do it, do it. And then they kiss. But he instigates it. She, she, she was, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he dives in and, and it happens and that's fine. And then off they go. And it wasn't even a major sort of thing. In fairness to the other women, I don't think it would be great to see, but also like it's not like they don't know Bella's the favourite. Mm. Um, and then Roxy gets angry in such a specific and triggering way for me, where she goes, "Oh, Bella, did you did you just did, did you kiss hook, him? Up, hook did, up with? Did you just hook up with Lucky at the cocktail party? Oh, wow. Okay, I just." Didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> and I, I was in a cold sweat. <laughs> and it just kept on a snowball from that. And next thing, Roxy's kind of, um, you know, having to leave and in tears. And... <laughs> Roxy tries to confront Bella, doesn't get the reaction that she wants from the women. Mm. So walks over to the other group <laughs> to get more validation. And then Izzy's like, oh, they actually kissed. <laughs> And then Roxy starts spiralling. Yeah, and it, it, everything gets all messier and messier, and then she's gone. and She's off. And and what happened? I mean, they, all these incidents are sort of blurring together. There's, oh, I, don't oh, know, I can't well, remember. It ends up with them having a chat, essentially, and he's starting to get a bit beleaguered at this point. <laughs> I also want to note that oh, I... that's right, that's right, yes, I yes. like that we're at a point now, and it's happened in the last two episodes, that him having a dramatic chat with Roxy, that it's so common that the women will just go interrupt him for a different <laughs> chat now. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> just like, oh. Well, he's kind of quite... I remember he was sort of... Uh, you know, being uh, like regret, being regretful that, that all of this was, you know, had transpired and that she was upset and everything. And then he's sort of saying, well, I'm I'm kind of in an impossible position. I mean, well, the reality is that <laughs> and he started to kind of, uh, you know, get real about it. It's like, come on, we're all here on this TV show yeah. type of thing, almost getting to that point. He's like a bit like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, he says something, and I've written it down because I was pissed off at him mm. for it. But now I'm not sure. Now I'm maybe like, maybe it was legitimate. But he's actually, no, you know what? Fuck Lockie. Oh, I hate this. It says, I need you to hear where I'm coming from. You know me. I do anything that pops into my head. When it feels good, when it feels right, I just go for it. I gave you everything I wanted to give you God. today, and I'm truthful. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> First of all, okay. let's unpack this. I gave you everything I wanted to give you today. Well, <laughs> duh. But also, I don't think you know me, I do anything that pops into my head if it feels right. No, look. Is that, a good, like. That sounds, uh, I, I heard those words coming out of your mouth and I was cringing inside and I felt, oh, you, you idiots. But I think he was coming from the, the angle of, look, I'm not meaning to be, you know, I'm not meaning to be awful. It's just I got swept away. I'm sorry. I didn't realise we were on the fucking 
give Lockie the benefit of the doubt podcast. Without <laughs> darkness, there cannot be any light, man. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Lockie may have actually been the better one in this situation. No, look, I think it was pretty naff what he was saying, but it it, it, it wasn't evil like perhaps yes. your, like yes. your, your reading of it there would lead people to believe, but... Fair enough. Well, yeah, and he also he said like I'm in a difficult position because it's like what's he meant to say? Like, yeah, I'm also dating Bella. Like, it's so weird to like I I'm so sick of people being like, doesn't Roxy know the premise of the show? And I'm like, don't you know the premise of the show, which is women getting upset about the premise of the show? <laughs> like, let's have a step back into the meta narrative here, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of that. But also, didn't Ross and Roxy know the premise of the show? It's so weird. And also, she was all saying, this was supposed to be my night. Couldn't you just give me yeah. five seconds of... I think she lost most of the audience when she was saying stuff like that. But I think for context, like, usually the cocktail parties are a couple of days after the single date. You know what I mean? Like, each episode's kind of filmed across oh, a week. okay. Allegedly... From the time that Zoe, Claire, and Claire left, mm. so t- those two cocktail parties, that was all done in, like, a week. Right. Like, they filmed that this episode in, like, a couple of days. So it genuinely was her kissing him that day, mm-hmm. getting home, putting on makeup, having, like, one drink at a cocktail party, and then seeing him make out with someone else. Right. Like, pretty rough, right? Yeah, look, I would agree with you, except the two episodes before, there was this whole exact same thing after Roxy's first date with him, and it was like three people, I by, by actual count, there was at least <laughs> three kisses before she suddenly got upset about one of them. Yeah, that's true. So um, one thing uh, that I noticed was that Ariba hadn't been talking much this episode, mm. and that filled me with dread. Yeah, well, well you're very shrewd, very astute, because yeah, like, mm. I didn't see that coming. Well, they're going to kick out five people. All of a sudden, that's a big yeah. bombshell. Which is like a very clever move for Skype or Zoom mm. when they allegedly don't know that they're going to Zoom yet. The, the producer has been doing little sort of um, <laughs> grid, uh, grid patterns. Grid patterns. Hang on, they have four by three and there's Osher and there's Lot. Oh, jeez, we've got to get rid of five <laughs> girls tonight. I wonder... Like, there was a couple of girls that you didn't expect to go home. Yeah. Like, Charlie and obviously Laura and Ariba. I'm wondering whether they just didn't have enough freelance camos in that state. Because <laughs> all of these girls had to have a producer oh. and a camo, obviously. I wonder if they're... I mean, they can't all be staying in the same apartment, but essentially as that little social bubble mm. to, like, keep them safe. I think they're just like, fuck, we don't have enough people in South Australia. Some of them have got to go. Yeah, yeah. So we cut... Five people, which is Charlie, Marg, Gemma, and then tragically, mm. Laura and Ariba. Yeah, more tragically for Laura than, y- than Ariba. I mean, Ariba's great, but, but Laura's really, really good. Laura has come through so well as the commentator for the season. Mm. So there's always sort of a commentator. Yep. And they're usually actually like the smart <laughs> woman right, there. Right, right. And then they always go to Bachelor in Paradise because they need someone to commentate Ah. there. And then they always have like a love story. It happened to Alicia. It happened to Mary. Right. I'm so excited for it to happen to Laura because she'll have to go to a tropical country. Mm. Oh, no, she won't. They're going to do Paradise in like Darwin or something. Where are they going to do it? Magnetic Island or something. Yeah. Just off the coast on a boat. Phillip Island. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
<laughs> the penguin parade is the single day. <laughs> okay, well, I I'm, I would have loved to see Laura to go to Fiji, be sent to Fiji, but uh, we can't have everything. I hope that she's back. I pray that she's back. I love her. She I'm, she was a bit problematic about Bali at the start. There's something hor- there's something horrifying happening right now. What I'm genuinely wanting to see Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> now if, if Laura's going to be in it. I'm really upset at myself that I've realised, had that revelation, that realisation. Um, see, it's, again, look, it's, it's it's a hackneyed phrase, but there's Stockholm Syndrome. I'm just completely in its grip now. It's like um, uh, I'm, I'm watching this as if it's, uh, it's if it's a genuine show and I'm making what I've, what in my brain are genuine sort of, I'm genuinely barracking for some of these people. It's it's a terrifying thing. Oh, I love it. Also, like, Ariba, such good value. Yeah. And she's gone again. Let's just pray for paradise. I think she may have been, uh, we, um in, in the the project just before tonight's episode, they had a live cross to her, just, uh, mm. you know, they zoomed to her and got a bit of comment from her just as a real person mm. and that was cool and she was kind of more enjoyable to what you know like better better i found her better tv just being herself than, yeah. than sort of being the villain i was just going to say maybe she burned too bright for too short too, <laughs> yeah. too and not long enough you know oh she burned herself out basically also i get the vibe that she lives in a hoarder's den oh okay right. like she gives me sort of like powerhouse Businesswoman mm. whose like personal life is falling apart and her house has like stacks of newspapers. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. This I have nothing to base this off, but I feel it in my bones. So suddenly everyone's left. It's a bloody tragedy. Osha comes back in, shock horror, for the second time. And says literally this exactly the same words that he said when he announced the the, the um the COVID uproar, um, which was I've got something very important to tell you all. <laughs> yeah. Also, a few times he pronounced it COVID, which is like such a good giveaway that this is like early in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Osha, like, yeah, uh, he, uh, hasn't, no, no. he hasn't yet called it the China virus. So. <laughs> the Wuhan flu. <laughs> um, Osha liked my tweet. Oh, wow. Okay. I felt like I couldn't sort of boast about this in my personal life, so I'm going to have to do it on this podcast. Oh. I did tag him in it. Yep. I but know still, I can't. Is that not as good? I just, like, directly made it so we'd go into his notifications. And because for some dumb reason I'm verified, he would have actually seen it. This is also a flex that I'm verified. Mm -hmm. Does this mean anything to you? No. Okay. It means you've got a blue tick, but that's all I know about it. Yeah. Look, it's all you need to know. It's all anyone needs to (laughs) know about me. Okay. So we go to COVID and then he has to... And so his big bombshell is, okay, we're all going home now and it's going to be virtual. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even say it's going to be virtual. He's no. like, we're oh, just going right. to have to shut oh, down yeah, production. Yeah. As, we're, we're led to believe that as far as he knew, that, that was just it until the, the pandemic's finished. Yeah. And then they'd reconvene. Which made me believe that, like, they kind of figured, like, this was still in the time period where we thought that this was going to be a month and then it was going to be back to normal, mm. which I guess in some states it bloody was, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, so there's sort of everyone's having to go home. I want to note that Bella and Irina left in the same limo. Just read my previous last week's theory. Right, which is that they're... They're um, in love. Yeah, and that, that, that'll be the one true couple that comes out of this I bel- series. I believe so. Mm. Um, this leads me to an interesting part of the universe, mm. which is Osh's Twitter account. Has he got a blue tick? He does have a blue tick. Okay. It's interesting because Osha live tweets every episode. Oh, okay. Often 
kind of scathingly, like, <laughs> <laughs> like criticizes the show to a sort of contractually acceptable degree. Right. But basically, it's this bizarre system where you have the show doing problematic things and profiteering off the problematic things and the drama that it creates. Like, mm. in one season, you had a guy who was a bit sort of, like, controlling and, like, potentially straying into, you know, kind of emotionally abusive territory. And mm. just, oh, okay. and then you had Osha tweeting, totally not okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, oh, okay. we all need to learn this is not how we treat women or something like that. It was, you know, something along those lines, like very directly calling out the behaviour and being like, let's call it what it is. I'm like, well, your show's not calling it what it is. Yeah, so he's the apologist. Exactly. So that's just like a weird bit of the show's universe and a weird sort of dynamic that plays out. So there's this parallel little thing going with Osh's Twitter account that's kind of contradictory and you don't get any real sense of that from his on-screen stuff. Or mm. I, I, it surprises me that that's the angle of it. Yes. Mm. Oh, okay, interesting. Right. Okay, so this brings us on to Love in Lockdown. <laughs> uh, let's get your rather surprising reaction. A bunch of inane people I wouldn't want to spend too much time of my life with. But, you know, as the show went, I thought it was a pretty successful transition. You know, isolation, Zoom, dating. I'm glad that they're not all, you know, got rid of that nonsense of them all being in the same house together. It's a much better TV. <laughs> Stupid kind of nonsense in the bathtub, Lockie showing his bum to everyone. Apart from that, it was all right. First thoughts. I mean, those were your first thoughts. But now your first thoughts. First thoughts about my first thoughts. Yeah. Um... Yeah, look, um, you know, it's just a bit more like normal people now. I don't know. It's um, um, what more can I say? It's uh, they, they, they seem to. I think the the sort of element of kind of mass hysteria, you know, mm-hmm. miniature mass hysteria that that I always just grates against me. Uh, is lessened now. I mean, there's there's other things that you get more of. Like it seems to be. It seems to have more of a. Um, uh, it seems to lean more naturally towards bitchiness now because mm. it's very, very kind of um, obvious that you know if if Lockie and um, and whoever it was is a year off on their, on their sort of private date, then obviously everyone else is just kind of sitting around at home. So <laughs> then cut to them all zooming together and having their kind of speculation about what's going on or what's just happened and all that sort of stuff. Um, so you get it, it tends, seems that you get a little bit more warts and all the sort of, you know, behind the scenes kind of chit-chat from everyone while the main story is going on elsewhere mm. on a different computer. I have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Why is Nicole's house so nice? Well, she's spent years being a professional dancer on cruise ships. Maybe that's maybe that's she, really well paid. I guess she was living rent free. Yeah, and or maybe it's her parents' house or something. Or that's true. Imagine, imagine me participating in in lockdown mm. from my room in this house where we all live together. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I just I I love the idea that she's doing it from her parents' house. I think that's very funny. Let's we'll just have to keep like the llama photo bomb the other day. Yeah. We have to see if any Nicole parents just accidentally have. <laughs> crop up in like the reflections of mirrors that are just on the edge of frame or something absolutely well the parents are actually in next episode so maybe we'll see yeah um so Lockie takes izzy on a date i had forgotten izzy was there yes personally but then he says that they've she lit up his lockdown which leads Mm. us to believe that a 
significant portion of time has passed. Several days. Or no, a week. Weeks, a week. Even. Oh, okay. And that also that they've all been texting, like that he's been texting yeah, 10 girls yeah. at once. So, so the first thing, yeah, so they we, we, we've had our sort of get-together, oh, it's Zoom, it's Zoom, there's 14 people on screen or 12 people on screen, and then we get into the, you know, the get um, get the show on the road and, and it's time for the first date and everything. And, um, yeah, Lockie uh, has chosen to have a first date with, with Izzy. Mm-hmm. And, as you say, it's because she lit up his life in lockdown and then it's kind of like, well, hang on, isn't today lockdown. isn't today lockdown? No, yeah. it's and yeah. So they've all been texting and 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 skyping. Skyping, and I'm like, f- fucking pardon me, but if Bella, <laughs> if Bella and Lockie are FaceTiming, is that not the show we're watching? Like that is feels that, like cheap. Is that not but a single date? Been having single dates. Mm. Anyway, so wild. I also love that they're like, oh, Steph's like, oh, I just sort of waited for him to call me. Like, I didn't want to. And then Bella's like, oh, I've been texting him. I've been FaceTiming him. I've been calling him. And I've oh, been doing oh, everything and, and, all the time. Arena even more so. I, oh. I got upset if a day goes by and he doesn't text me and I, call me. At least Irina did it in the talking head. Bella mm. did it to everyone. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> but also, like, Irina wanted us to know. Yeah, of course. Yes. But then other others, like, was it, it was Maddie kind of came off as sort of really the ugly duckling because she hadn't got any she hadn't had any communication with him up until that moment she says they exchanged a few texts oh okay right right. which is like this is so wild like there wasn't like scheduled calls it was just a free-for-all like how much time has passed Mm. and also this is when he was allegedly like seeing a bunch of other people okay because he just didn't think the show was going to start again right right allegedly got on with his life allegedly yeah and you would but also don't. I hate you. <laughs> okay, so they're cooking something, and the only fucking joke of this whole single date is that there's chilies, there's yeah. hot hot elements to the Mexican tacos that they're making. Lockie doesn't like chili. You live in Indonesia, Lockie. It's probably two sides of this, which is Easy's a pretty sort of personalityless kind of. You know, a giggly void. Yeah, yeah. She's not the most kind of um, easy to get a grip on who the real <laughs> Izzy is, is. And the one thing we do know about her from the very first episode is that she likes chilies. So, do we know that about her? That was her. Remember in episode one, and she brought out the plate of chili, and she made him eat the chili. I was so preoccupied with her dying of asthma, to be honest. Oh, I thought it was. I thought that was um, Steph that died of asthma. No, no. Steph was talking about the burrito. And then he commented that it was so good that she was skinny and could eat a burrito. Oh, maybe Steph was the chilli person. No, but they showed it. They showed it flashback. Anyway. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, that, Lockie I does think not perhaps, like chilli. Perhaps this confusion is just making my point that they <laughs> didn't have a lot to work with, so they worked it hard. Yeah. Ah. Uh, He's so bland in the most distasteful way. I don't know. It really rubbed me the wrong way. He, he, he somehow makes being bland actually, it makes you think he's just not being bothered. It's, he, <laughs> yeah. he can turn blandness into laziness. You know what? Roxy needs to overcome all of her emotional trauma and open up to him immediately. But if it comes to him trying one chili, he won't do it. (laughs) So they make Mexican food and then the show takes a turn in which Lockie says 
strip off bitch and get in the bath, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he didn't say the word strip. Or bitch. <laughs> oh, okay. But <laughs> what? Like, he would have had to get into that bath. No, they, they, well. So there's a shot of his weenus, is what I'm saying, no, in no, the Channel they... 10 studio. Oh, well, yeah, who cares, though? So what? <laughs> I just I just want to know who the editor was. How many, first of all, how many takes do they have to do of him getting up so that he his body perfectly turned so you could only see his butt? Yeah. And, like, where are the outtakes and who was the poor soul that had to, well, that had to do it? Surely that's just sort of an occupational hazard when you're an editor at Channel 10, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of dongs that have to be cut out of any <laughs> tropical island show, you know. That is that is true, actually. But Izzy was definitely wearing a bathing suit. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I, I was trying not to look, of course, but I think I did see that at the end and I was going to ask you about it, but I forgot about it. I want to know the creepiest thing, which is when Lockie said, look under the towel. Oh, yeah. And then what What did she pull out? A rose, which it's like, <laughs> is, oh, is he in her home? Like, did the producers set up the bath for her, put the rose under the towel and said, you may enter, Izzy? Like, I, yeah, I didn't. That I, I sort of thought... I, I, I kind of read it as, uh, oh, can I get her to lean out of the bath for a moment type of sort of thing. <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't far enough ahead of what was going on to kind of realise, oh, it's the rose was coming. I. Um, but, yeah, now that you mentioned it, that thought didn't cross my mind. How did that rose get there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have they got a little dumbwaiter underneath? The sort of... <laughs> there's only creepy options. Yeah, either there's a, a... A producer who prepped that bath for her. Yep. Or he manifested it with the power of his little mind. Or while we've been... The psychic. While she's been looking at the computer, he's been slinking in, crawling (laughs) in with a rose and putting it under the towel and crawling out again. Look, I think it's funny. I thought it was funny that they were naked. It was funny TV. But, like, there was some... (laughs) There's a lot of questions that the love in lockdown raises (laughs) and that I'm really not sure I want the answers to. Um, So what happens next, Dad? Okay, so then next it's the, the group date which is going to be, of course, a six, seven-way Zoom conference. And uh, what happens is everyone gets a knock on the door or they get told to look at their front door and there's a package there. Mm. And they all look, you know, confusion. And inside is a onesie of some description. They each have their own... You know, uh, unique onesie, and uh, you know, Bella's got a black, uh, black and yellow one, so she's a B. And then, and then there's a little bit of manufactured drama about, oh, you know, Juliet. Oh, what's this? What's it? this? Is, is I hope this isn't a shark onesie. <laughs> um, and then a fantastic line from Roxy when they all kind of, you know, and some of them are disappointed in their onesies, and some of them quite like them. And um, what was it? Someone has a donkey onesie, and they were fairly justified in being <laughs> disappointed. And then uh, and everyone's just reassuring uh, Juliet that um, there's being a shark ones. It looks cool. It's great, you know. And then Roxy says, yeah, you're a predator. <laughs> <laughs> so then what we do is have just manufactured drama of letting all the girls type in questions. Yes, anonymous questions to anyone they wanted to ask them, Lockie or any of the girls or whatever. And it's all anonymous, so, you know, the gloves are off and... Mm. It kicks off with some innocuous ones about, hey, you know, um, uh, Caitlin, what have you been doing in lockdown? And she then 
you know, it's like this wasn't already set up. She then sort of jumps up and says, well, I, I can't really put it into words, so I'll have to show you. <laughs> it goes, disappears, and everyone's like, oh, I wonder what this can be. And she wanders in with a, like a, a wheelbarrow and a rake. Yeah. She can't put it into the word gardening. <laughs> the most corporeal <laughs> activity. And then... All of them just, like, steadfastly didn't believe her. And then she just kind of wasn't a good enough sport to go along. And she's like, why is everyone laughing? <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have the amazing question of, um, is Bella your favourite? Yeah, which, give it yes to Lockie, of course. Which I like to believe and then Bella he, wrote. And he gives the, the boilerplate parents answer. Yeah. I, I think, you're, you know, I'm here to... You know, get to know all of you, and so I don't have a favourite. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was great. Then we learn that um, Juliet's been celibate for 12 years. Yes, because there was a question about, hey, Juliet, is that true that you've been celibate for 12 years? Yeah, <laughs> or is it 12 days? Oh, that's so right. So we love to <laughs> slut shame. <laughs> well, um, isn't that the opposite? Well, it was doing both, which yeah. is an achievement. Yes. And then so she mentions that she sort of slept with her first boyfriend and then at, found Jesus. At the age 22, yes. So she had a weird turn of phrase. Uh, she she said that she was... Uh, my, my first boyfriend for six years and, and then I was like, I'm going to pursue God. <laughs> so I don't know if she caught up with him or not, but um, after, she came out of that phase eventually. After 12 years of, of running. No, I think she was saying that the, that, that 12 years is still ongoing. But it doesn't add up. So she's 36. We know that. No, she's she, 34. 34. Oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Okay. The maths, the maths work out. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been celibate for 12 years, which is like... Kind of, I guess, a surprising thing. But if you notice in the... No wonder he the... never kicks her out. <laughs> Why? What? 12 years pent up sort of. <laughs> yes. That does explain a lot of it. <laughs> um, but in the in the letter she gave him, I remember there was someone paused it and then saw that she had written sort of, my life has been filled with sort of, you know, trauma and violence. Oh. So maybe that's like informing oh, something. Okay. It kind of made, I, I kind of remembered that and I'm like, okay, maybe this sort of situation fits right. a bit more. Oh, that's in a whole different dimension. Yeah. Now hmm. I feel bad. Yeah. Um, but but <laughs> then there was worse to come because yes. the very next question was to Roxy and it was <laughs> this kind of poison pill. Was it this sort of the classic loaded question? Roxy, who's your secret boyfriend? Roxy, why do you have a secret boyfriend? <laughs> right. Which was just, just could only be malicious. I guess so. It's either only... Um, look, I don't know. I mean... If, if it was true, we would have cut around to everyone being like, yeah, I've heard this rumour. I think we need answers. Like, right. if there was any... If any girl had had any whiff of it, we would have had a talking head about it. We're led to believe that Juliet submitted the question. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been a producer. Right. Like, yeah. maybe that's too left field for the producers. It is a bit odd. Like, yeah. Like, you wouldn't sort of think of it if, oh, I want to... You know, throw the cat among the pigeons. It's a bit sort of surreal, a bit weird. Yeah, you think the producers would have like referenced something like, "Why do you like?" Maybe they put the question being like, "Why are you always crying in front of Lockie?" Which was a question Roxy also got. <laughs> but yeah, this is a bit weird, and she just like so she was, loses it. She was baffled, and she was sort of uh, then taken aback, and and kind of, and then sort of eventually she realised. No, this is really nasty, and yeah. I'm upset at, that someone would be doing this to me. Why am I? Why have I got a target on my back is the one thing she sort of mm. said. And then eventually it, it kind of 
the the thing sort of was moving on from her and then she just realized oh no i'm sick of this and yeah and she logged, logged off <laughs> which i love the dynamic of just being able to log off in these dates one okay i hate to do it but mm. i'm gonna give Lockie credit here yeah which is that rather than getting all weird about the secret boyfriend let's hear about the secret mm. boyfriend all of this he just said like oh does someone know something i don't yes. and then he said well i'm not in a position to Criticise, which, like, feels like <laughs> the bare minimum, right? Mm. But other bachelors have kicked women off for being interested in other men. Oh, okay. Which is so violently hypocritical. <laughs> like, one, like, last season a girl, like, slipped her number to one of the produce or one of the costume guys or one All of the right. cameramen because she, like, wasn't connecting with him. And then he, like... Was like you're taking up you know the space that another girl could have <laughs> and he was trying to play like well it's fine if she doesn't like me but like you know i'm sending girls home blah, blah, blah. and but like Lockie like didn't even interrogate the secret boyfriend when well, was just well, like and, ah. and he got a comment was it from bella who said yeah you've got or, or, Irina, Irina, yeah yeah you've got 10 girlfriends <laughs> yeah but he probably actually had more like 18 yeah actually you're true <laughs> that's true 10 on screen mm. 10 just strictly dms <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, and then Roxy's upset and then, you know, we go to this cocktail party, which is a wild experiment in Zoom breakout rooms. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he's what he goes to chat. So, with yeah, Roxy. first person yeah. he goes to have some alone time with is, is Roxy. <laughs> he goes, he's like, oh, Roxy, for fuck's sake, <laughs> before. And he was like that. That was so funny. But. Yeah, so he has a chat with Roxy. They sort of sort it out where she's kind of quite legitimately like, no, I just didn't want to, like, deal with bullshit. Like, it was rude and mm. I didn't want to be there. Like, I was emotional. You know, are you going to choose to cry on Zoom when you could cry not on Zoom? Like, <laughs> valid choice. Yeah. Um, so then then the girls all get back together. Yeah, so Irina bumps in, whatever. We're oh, left right. with just the girls having a chat. Yeah. And Juliet... First of all, we've got to talk about all of their drinks. Bella had a vase of wine. Yes, a goldfish bowl of, of Riesling or something. Nicole had a jug and then her cup was always either full to the brim or nearly empty. And I know it's probably just editing shots back and forth, but I like to believe that she sculled like eight glasses. Well, the alcohol's free on cruise ships. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Not when you... Ha they're having to buy their own alcohol for this. Oh, okay. This is their own... <laughs> the Coles delivery of absolute for the cocktail party. Right. But yes, I just liked when she, she like took like an awkward like sip and it was just filled to the brim. <laughs> so I reckon Juliet was sort of well into the wines at this uh, point yeah. and she starts picking on Roxy for this question because she you know sort of has like a fair enough point which is like I had to sort of weirdly reveal my celibacy and religion yep. to Lockie just like out of the blue yeah and like you're you kind of could have just brushed off the question yeah why is it and but then she just kept on and on but then she didn't brush off the question mm. and so you explain this part because this is where you sort of turn the corner on Roxy wasn't well it? well yeah look so it was getting awkwarder and awkwarder because Roxy was kind of saying look I've said my piece I, I, I felt I, I basically I took this to be a, an attack and I'm just not not going to stand for it i'm you know i'm not going to engage you know if people who want to be like that fine but i'm not going to play that game mm. i'm i'm over this i'm not going to do this anymore and she was kind of made she didn't she wasn't looking teary or anything she was kind of keeping keeping fairly composed and 
there was a smile and, and all that sort of stuff. But Juliet just wouldn't wouldn't let it go. She mm. just wouldn't be dissuaded. And so she and literally was sort of saying the same questions again and again. And then one by one, the other four were logging off. And so you'd be looking at the screen and there'd be a, a you know, a little sort of movie camera crossed out icon where, you know, um, Izzy used to be or whatever. And uh, and then and then suddenly they're all four of them were there and it was just Bella, uh, just Roxy and Juliet. And uh, then uh, Roxy, Roxy was like, I realise I'm doing this cocktail party over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, she said, you know, um, what did she say? She said a few, she landed a few good blows, I thought, on Juliet. Like, there's no off switch with you, is there? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've said that I'm not going to do this. Why can't you move on? Let's move on. I'm not. And she was. Oh. Once again, I'm going to ask you to move on, is what yeah, she said. Yeah, And Juliet was not going to. So suddenly then Roxy logged off and. She it's, just slowly closed the laptop. Oh, that's right. It was Julia even, even was, better. She was arguing. The, the clamshell, the I, iPad, or, yeah. you know, the, 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 the MacBook. Um, yes, she just closed that. So <laughs> Juliet would have been treated to a close-up shot of the keyboard and the <laughs> yeah. touchpad coming at her. Um, uh, but I just thought, oh, well, good on you. Because, I mean, look, I'm no good in those sort of situations. I either blow my top and turn it into a terribly ugly thing or I you know, basically dissolve into tears and just can't <laughs> cope. Yeah. But I just, I quite respected Roxy there. She was calm and she was composed and she kept a smile and it was, she kept it pleasant. She didn't go there and she just kept sort of saying, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not buying into this. Stop, stop, let's move on, let's yeah. be constructive. And then she ended it when it was clear there was absolutely no hope of that. Yeah. And I just thought, well, good on you, you mm. know. So. It's. Uh, I hate to burst your bubble. Mm. I don't think those women actually logged off. I think Nicole just said the line, being like, "I'm just going to switch off," and then the producer was like, well, "That's sure. a good idea." Yeah, they keyed in yeah. a little, that icon on. But I'm. I want to believe that they were just like peaced out. <laughs> um. So then, okay, back to like ethically questionable things. We get to the rose ceremony. We've got all the girls standing there, and Juliet's there kind of clearly intoxicated. Yeah, and, like, not keeping it together. Not like keeping it together. only remembering to smile half the yeah, time. Yeah, kind then, of walking like, back and forth almost. And looking off to the side and, and almost, but like, yeah. The thing, she looked messy and then her mic pack had clearly sort of shifted from her back right. to her hip. Okay. Which was, like, riding up her dress in a weird way that made her look incredibly drunk. But I'm like, there's a producer in there with them, right? Mm, like, mm. the producer made the decision not to tell her to look better. Yep. You know, yep. not to be like, your mic pack's shifted. Yeah. Just hold still. It's, you know what I it's mean? It's like, like those documentaries about the little newborn turtles trying to make it from the beach <laughs> into the water and the the seagulls swooping down and the, the fucking guys are there with the camera. Shoo them away. Shoo them away, you bastards. Yeah. So it's just like... I don't know. You know, clearly, I feel like there's other stuff going on with Juliet. And it just made me feel quite uncomfortable that we're sort of just meant to be laughing at her being so intoxicated. I feel sorry for also because I know how easy it is to drink too much on Zoom drinks. You, you know that theoretically, you, you, you mean? I mean that I have sat in this very room. In our, in the house we all live in together. Yeah, while you guys were in the living room right, drinking okay. too much over oh, Zoom. Well, let's, perhaps let's just move on. 
<laughs> but look, I don't. There's no reason that it should be as difficult to modulate your alcohol as it is in that very moment. But um, I, I felt for her, and I also. It's, just... it's not like waiters are coming in and topping up their glasses. It's there's, oh a, there's a bottle that's getting lower and lower in front of them. I made a note to tell you this. I wrote it in my phone to tell you this in the middle of the week. You know those red champagne glasses that they use mm. in the. Guess how much a pair of those cost. I don't know, a hundred bucks or something. Five hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, right. For right. two quite ugly glasses. Yeah, yeah. Apparently the red the consistency of their drinks you can't really see. Uh, okay. I'm assuming. I'm kind of just making this up. But also like I'm assuming lipstick wouldn't show on it. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not enough okay. to spend yeah, well. twenty thousand dollars on glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um so okay, we move on to the rose ceremony and there's this very weird situation where the girls have to pick up their own roses. Yeah, the this is the this is what we've been sort of revved up to believe will be the virtual rose ceremony. The very first that Osha talked world. about. In, that's right. In scene one. Uh, yeah, and, and the reality is there's a rose in everyone's room within arm's reach and it's just whether they're allowed to pick it up or not. What happened to Belle's rose after? Yeah. She was not allowed to touch it mm. and then just had to turn off the camera and look at the rose on that plate. Yeah. yeah. Well, spoiler alert. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Dad, the whole time, you were saying it's Maddie. It's Maddie. Oh Maddie's well, yeah, because that Maddie early on was the one that hadn't hadn't, hadn't had much yeah. contact with him and hadn't thought to chase him, which was a bad business decision mm. on her part, I think. But I remember your words directly beforehand, directly beforehand, was no, Belle won't get kicked off. She's too pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, here we are, and then so next episode we've got. Um, the parents meeting, which is like a weirdly soon to meet the parents, but I get what the fuck else are they going to do? <laughs> um, and the amazing line that Roxy said, which is like, I'm a bit worried about my mum. She's a loose cannon. <laughs> and coming from Roxy, that sort of oh, carries a lot of I'm weight. I'm so excited to see Roxy's <laughs> and what, mum. What, then, the, the, then we got a little glimpse of her mum on camera she, saying, she's saying, Rhonda comes out. As in? Like Roxy's Ro angry persona is Rhonda. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, I'm very, I'm extremely pumped for it. Um, <laughs> oh, well. So that's next episode. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good week. Like, I was really. It was pretty. Beleaguered. I've said beleaguered four times in this podcast, but I was. Like, I was mm. like, God, is this the end? Right. Like, is this slipping? But. No, no, it's uh, they've made a, uh, you know, made an asset of all these kind of restrictions that they're having to deal with. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been a reasonably high voltage kind of mm. couple of episodes. And well, as I was be saying, it's because we have the right amount of elements in each episode again. Like last two yeah. elements, we've had a single date, group uh, date, thing after the group date, uh, rose ceremony, oh, like cocktail party, then rose ceremony. Like you forget how much. Like I forgot you didn't because you've never seen it, but I forgot how much they actually cram into an episode. Mm. And I was always like, God, show us a bit more. And now I'm like, no, you show us the right amount. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, it's found its uh, new identity. And mm. and um, and also I think it's probably some sort of function of just, you know, the, the extraneous kind of people of, uh, are not there anymore. The, you you kind of know everyone now mm. that's there or, you know, newbies like me sort of now. Are, the able... intruder. Oh, is. That's what we forgot to mention. There's an intruder next week. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so is how common is the intruder? In every season. 
So a couple each season, yeah. like around about this, the what feels like the usually, two thirds of the usually way. Usually they send in like three or four. Right. Okay. Yeah, and it's like to cause drama mid season in the slump. Right. Weird to do it over Zoom. Hmm. Mm. But yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> She's not going to win. Who gives a shit? <laughs> right. Right. Oh uh, well. Well, I... Caitlin was the intruder. Oh, barely. What, three weeks in or three no, episodes in? It was like the, sec- the end of the second oh, episode. Okay, right. But like halfway through the second episode in real time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, well, I'm I'm excited for next week. Yes, yes, and I'm I am kind of keen to see what how it keeps on keeping on. Uh, and that horrifies me. The thought that that's those words <laughs> coming unironically out of my mouth is horrifying. Oh, you're well and truly in now, Dan. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Oh, well, that might be as much as we can handle this week. Yeah, uh, I think so. Again, um, if you can do anything to help share the podcast, put it on your Instagram story, do it, leave us a review on iTunes. It really An helps honest five-star al- review. An honest five-star review. It really helps the algorithm and, and whatnot. And um, I'm sh- I mean, I'm sure I'd be appreciative of Dad's... <laughs> Dad's going with the flow. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Matilda Bosley. Where can we find you, Dad? Uh, post a restant at Melbourne GPO. <laughs> oh, get out your pens. <laughs> okay. okay, see ya. Thank you, everyone. Bye. For listening to this week's episode of Me, My Dad, and The Bachelor. If you want more fatherly content, you can follow us on Instagram at mydadbatchpod or shoot us an email at mydadbatchpod at gmail.com. This week's episode was produced by myself and Anthony Furchie. Music is by Latch Swing and Tri Track Young, and the cover art is by my wonderful sister, Perrin Bosley. Have a good one and stay safe.